0: A weekly podcast talking about high school and college sports right here in central Illinois. I'll discuss what I saw in the past week, what's coming up on channel 1450, and what we're looking forward to. It's episode 51. It's here and just in time. We are one week away from the 52nd episode of the Northwestern Mutual sponsor Download with DP podcast, episode 52, which, if you're counting, is one every single week for an entire year. I appreciate everyone for listening and tuning in to stay up to date on what's going on with high school and college sports right here in Central Illinois. Northwestern Mutual is a great place to intern in the summer, so check out those options if you're interested. Now, what did I see in the past week? Some great baseball up in Joliet for the 3A State Series. A special thank you to the IHSA for a great event. Always great to see Sam Knox, and I hope he gets to enjoy some time off this summer as well. Have to talk about Parker Detmers, completely dominating Washington in the 3A semifinal on Friday morning, 14 strikeouts, tying the state record in a state game, he was hitting his spots and striking guys out who just looked like they wanted no part of being in the batter's box. It got to the point where they were just terrified to step in. Just a simple reminder, Detmers is only a junior this year, he's already committed to Louisville, but we get to see him for a whole nother season in the spring of 2023. That was as good of a pitching performance as I've seen in my time covering high school sports. Reed was definitely as dominant at times, but on that stage, it was something special to see. The bats for the Titans didn't wake up in time on Saturday, and Glenwood fell a few runs short of a state title. But that takes nothing away from what they did this season and how good that team was. A very fun group to watch, and you'll be able to see that in the all-access pieces you can find on the website plenty of content coming from them as they took our sau medicine all access camera and i'll have multiple episodes up from that in the coming week what else do we have on the website all-star games on monday and tuesday from softball and baseball we've got highlights special site pieces for free and then on the premium side we got three mic'd ups from softball delaney chumbly marina roman and rosie bartletti and then on the baseball side we have mitch die will platner jackson grubbs and tommy westerville we have a huge commitment to talk about this week. North Max Cooper Starks is headed to SEC country. The offensive lineman committed to Vanderbilt, and in case you're counting, we've had two other football players go to the SEC so far, both from the CS8. Albert Okwabinam to Mizzou. He's now a huge piece of the Denver Broncos offense, and the other is Nick Broker, who is one of the best offensive linemen in the country, playing this fall for Ole Miss one more time before he heads to the NFL. We have a live rewind coming up with SHG's Jake Hamilton on the premium side talking about SHG vs. Lanphier City game last season and plenty more about SHG basketball and football coming up. Speaking of that, on Friday, we'll have highlights from SHG vs. Moline at the Midwest Crossroads Showcase at Normal West. A big-time tournament this week for some big-time basketball players in Central Illinois. Finally, we've been preparing for our award show on June 30th. We selected five nominees from every sport and will announce the winner for players of the year in each category via a special video at the event at the fairgrounds on June 30th. It's a Thursday night. We are very excited to have the opportunity to celebrate the accomplishments of local athletes, teams and coaches. If you don't have your tickets yet, you may want to buy them now because we are honestly almost sold out. And I'm not just saying that we literally don't have many spots left. I plan to have a couple special guests on in the next few weeks for episode 52 and episode one of season two, which will be out on the day of the award show. Let's get to this week's guest. It is Sherman, kindergarten teacher and former Williamsville softball head coach Mindy Ashball. She joins me to talk all things teaching and coaching and COVID and dealing with parents and dealing with everything. Enjoy this conversation. All right, we are at week 51 of the podcast, so one more week before I did a full year, and I told you a long time ago that I would have you on, so finally get to have (laughs) Minnie Apple on, thank you for joining me, Um, it's officially summer, it's officially hot, so how are you doing right now?
1: I am doing great, I'm enjoying summer, Um, we've had about three weeks I think of summer break with school being out, and it's been been great, we're doing a whole lot of nothing, Um, I'm coaching a youth league softball team, so I've been a little busy doing that. Lots of stuff around the house and getting and a pool and, around uh, the house. It's we are age. getting a pool around it's the a good house. Wait for it, right? I need it now, oh but unfortunately, gosh. they have other plans. It's still going to be a few weeks out, but um, yeah, we've decided. My husband and I decided to do a few things around the house for ourselves. I think
0: you guys have earned it at this point.
1: Right? I, we think so too. <laughs> It'll keep our kids coming back. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, what's what's summer usually like for a teacher slash coach?
1: Um. For a teacher, summer is... It's still constant school. I mean, for most of us, it is. We follow... I mean, social media. You never are far away from school. Yeah. So, between following blogs and Facebook pages Mm -hmm. and TikToks, I feel like our teacher, like, group text is constantly blowing up with ideas all summer long. I don't think teachers really ever stop thinking about school. Um, I don't do a whole lot of, like, prep work or anything until... um, august honestly i kind of base my back to school around the fair so i like to have everything done my goal is always to have everything ready by the time that the state fair starts which lately that's been when school's starting but this year due to our construction and stuff we're pushed back a week so um but i don't think teachers ever stop thinking about school over the summer yeah um at least we don't
0: (laughs) i guess we should kind of back up and connect you to people who don't know. Yeah. You teach where and you coached where. Okay. So well, let's just put that Yeah. Up.
1: So um, I will be starting my 27th year of teaching, but I just completed my 15th year at Sherman. Okay. So I teach for the Williamsville School District, uh-huh. Sherman Elementary School. Taught second grade, and now I'm in my seventh year, I think, of kindergarten. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, which has been... Wow. Different, especially through through COVID, but awesome at the same time. Yeah. And I coach at Williamsville also. I've coached junior high. Actually, my new junior high assistant and I were just trying to do the math on this. Um, I think I've coached junior high for 13 or 14 seasons. Yeah. And I just stepped away from the high school program after eight seasons.
0: Yeah. So... So what are you coaching this summer that
1: you been involved in coaching? <laughs> I am coaching a 12U okay. um, uh, um, chaos softball team. Yeah. So I, it's a kind of a funny story. Two years ago, when they were would have been a 10U team, there were a few girls that I knew their parents and they couldn't make a uh, travel team, you know, per se, quote unquote. They didn't make any teams that they tried out for. Yeah. And they're 10. And I just, I just still think like that. If we start talking about this, I might never stop. That's so just I, shut no, me down. But I might mean, um, have some questions. So I just think that there is so so much wrong with our current system. A, a lot of times, at ten
0: years old, to spent correct to tell them no, you're not good enough to play
1: right. this sport. That's really right, ridiculous. right. And you know, <laughs> also not people aren't stepping up to coach like. Like I would say, they did when I when I was younger, even yeah. when my sister was young. You know, um, I think parents are spread thin because their kids are doing so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so that's another problem, too. You've got it's all these kids that want to play. Get paid for being a coach.
0: No, get
1: paid <laughs> <play> zero, especially <laughs> at, that, at that travel yeah. level. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so there was about three or four girls, and I knew their parents, and they tried, and they came to me as the softball coach at Williams. So I'm like, yeah. what can we do to get our kid better? What, you know, what should we do? Where can we go? Um, So I contacted Brad Sturdy because he runs the chaos organization and two of my daughters played for that organization and I coached for him in that organization way back when they were young. And I said, hey, can I start a tenure team with you guys? They didn't have one at the time. He's like, yeah, sure. So we put together a team and um, I took pretty much all the girls who either missed a tryout or were scared to go through the tryout process or just didn't make a team and we put together a team now this is our third season i mean kids have come and gone but um since then there's been another 10 u team that has developed under the same kind of principles um and so now we have a 10 u team and a 12 u team so we've kind of made it up as we've gone along um we play like 50 games yeah uh but it's not, a, it's not a rec league, so rules are enforced. You know, the first time one of my girls got called out for leaving early a couple of weeks ago, and she's like, what did I do? I'm like, you left early. Yeah. You can't leave. You know, like little things like that that don't happen in rec ball. Uh-huh. But also, um, it's not as intense as a as 150-game travel schedule. And, you know, we don't leave the state. and I mean, we really don't leave the county okay. much. Yeah. <laughs> um but it gives them, it gives those girls a place to play, and my goal is like make them ready for a junior high tryout. Yeah,
0: you started this team <laughs> what a month into COVID's
1: craziness. I, we did. How do you, how does that? We did. So we. Um, yeah. So we. I'm trying to think if we played a little bit in the fall, and then we played in the spring, very oh, modified. One or 20. twenty-one. Yeah, twenty-one. Um. And then we played again last fall.
0: Yeah,
1: and this summer, and then next fall. I mean, we're setting up games for next fall yeah. too now. So, yeah. So it's been it's been fun. I love. Does that kind of the cheating aspect of being a coach, like? Okay, so um, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> it I. I like the teaching aspect of coaching that age group, which is also why I love coaching junior high and chose to continue coaching junior high, even though I stepped away from softball at the high school level, Um, because I love the teaching aspect of it. So it it fills that void, but there's nothing like the competitiveness at the high school level or the prepping and the game planning and the scouting and the strategy that goes into that. That's a lot of what I miss at that level.
0: Yeah. Um... How similar would you say is the teaching aspect to the coaching aspect? When you, like you said, second grade is pretty close to <laughs> ten. You, yeah. So I mean, is that yeah. kind of that connection correlation there?
1: I think so. I think I think a lot of things. I think teachers that are coaches are probably at an advantage when it comes to knowing how to handle. Them. Kids, but also knowing how to handle parents and and other adults. Yeah. Um. You know, when you don't have a teaching background, you're not exposed to some of the the things that we have to go through as far as dealing with different types of kids, different types of learners. You know. Um,
0: but you mean not our kids, right. <laughs> right?
1: Right. right. And being able to being able to. Um, also have hard conversations with parents or when parents come to us and are frustrated about something that's a coach i have that experience as a teacher too yeah. and, it, it, and you know it doesn't you don't. Know, i don't get as ra- i don't get rattled by it at all mm-hmm. and i think teaching is to thank for that and there's
0: also got to be a thing to like you said teaching the fundamentals and teaching them how to do certain things like once you learn how to do that as a teacher it's got to be mm-hmm. oh you know Here's a different way that we can do it instead of just going out there and swinging and swinging. Right, exactly. You have to do different things. You do, and you
1: have to adapt on the fly, and you have to, it's kind of like with teaching, you know. You teach something, and then you have to decide, okay, are they good enough to move on, or do we need to revisit that the next couple days? It's the same thing with coaching, you know, so with, like, the junior high team, it's, we go through a a series of these are the things that we have to practice in a given time and then everything else just comes from games. All right, I noticed we don't know how to do this. Let's add it into practice plans. Or we worked on sliding, but we're really not understanding which side to slide on based on where the throw is coming from. So let's work that into the next practice or something like that instead of just everything's black and white. You know, it's education and sports are both so gray. Yeah.
0: Um, you talked about kind of dealing with not only the kids but the parents, and um, I think we'd be kind of remiss if we didn't talk about your husband as well being yeah. at Rochester, Yeah. and kind of you guys being able to have those conversations at home and say, "How did you deal with the situation?" or "How do you, you know, deal with certain things?" I mean, that's got to help a little bit to be. It able is to. nice.
1: It is nice just to be able. And he, I really lean on him more from a coaching standpoint than from an administrator standpoint because when we first got married. Um, he was a teacher and a coach. You know, he taught PE, he coached girls basketball, then he went to Southeast coaching football there for several years, took over their boys' baseball program for a couple of years. Um, and he's coached at the junior high level girls, he's coached at the high school level boys, so he's got a lot of coaching experience. Um, he was a collegiate football player for a couple of years before he blew his knee out. So I kinda lean on him more from that aspect than from a from a school administrator's yeah. standpoint. But um yeah, I bounce off ideas off of him all the time. Sometimes I need um his opinion on like the right way to say something. Yeah. I know what I want to say, but I need it to come across the right way. So
0: but if you say it out loud to somebody else before you say it to them, it might
1: exactly
0: form in your head a little bit better. Exactly, like, exactly. Okay, that didn't come off yes. that way. Yes, and yeah.
1: he he's he's heard a lot of that over the years. I mean, yeah. he's he's really good at that. Yeah, um,
0: and did it does it help or did it help that? I mean, you guys are at two different school districts.
1: I think so. I think so. I mean, I I can't say what it would have been like if we had been yeah. in the same school district. Um but, but I you know I kind of talked to
0: the Carlsons about that when I had that conversation. With yeah, them. I remember I mean, that I, think, I watched I that. think there's something to that where it's like okay, you're not like seeing them all the time every single day, but at mm-hmm. the same time, like you're dealing with the same issues, but it could be at different times, and that may help like
1: right, I think it helps to keep work work yeah and home home because we don't have we don't have the same um we don't have the same things going on during the day. His his frustrations and struggles aren't mine, and and then I can celebrate his things. He can celebrate mine individually outside yeah. of of where you know outside of the school. I will say I have I really liked not being um, not teaching and coaching in the district that my kids were yeah. were going to school in. Um, and I don't know if that's a mom thing, because Brent had never bothered Brent, and my yeah. kids have never known any difference. Uh-huh. Um, but for me, I everybody's like, wouldn't you rather be at the, at the school where your kids are? And my answer was always a hard no. Like, I really liked having that separation. Yeah. Um, and my kids, I mean, it's been really fun, because my kids have become huge bullet softball fans, and now Molly's coaching in Williamsville, and um, she's coaching J, uh, freshman volleyball up there. So... Um, it's, it's kind of been fun to keep it separate, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, My dad was my principal for 10 years, so Mm -hmm. it's just a different, lot. like, yeah, you don't get away with anything. No. Like there's nothing. And so that's good and bad. It it is.
1: And and sometimes my kids were super frustrated about it. And, you know, our, our thing was always you, unfortunately, you're just always going to be held to a different standard than everybody else. And that's no fault of anybody's, but that's just the way that it is. And you better understand that. Yeah.
0: Uh, okay, so I want to talk a little bit about competitive softball in terms of as a sport um, because two weeks ago I talked with um, Jim Steinmore about mm-hmm. the, the gap that's becoming with baseball players competitively mm-hmm. and how that's affected not only school programs but just, I mean, the talent level yeah. in general. Um, so where where do you see competitive softball now compared to where it was 10, even 15 years ago?
1: Um. So, I think the perspective has gotten lost. I think that's the best way to say it. I think, and I don't think that it's through any fault of anybody, um, but I just had this conversation with, with somebody last week that until people as a generation decide that things have to change, things are going to continue the way that they are right now, which to me is a little bit out of proportion. Which is kind of just a mob mindset. It's like we're just going to go with it because yes. stepping against because it no, is... Exactly yeah. right. Nobody wants to be the parent, and I get it. Nobody wants to be the parent to say, that is too much for us, that is too much for our kid. Um, we're going to have to say no because they don't want their kid to be that kid. You know, does they does want kid to get give bullied? their kid then the best... Opportunities, and right now, I think Jim was right. Like there is that huge gap between, and there is that huge gap between the thousands and thousands of dollars, um, and then just a low level rec league type of play that runs out really when the kids get third, fourth grade. Yeah, there's nothing for those in between kids, uh-huh. and I don't, I don't think it's anybody's fault. It's just the way that things have grown and they've only grown in that direction um but until parents as a whole can stand up and say we want something different i don't think that it's gonna unfortunately i don't think that it's gonna change although ironically like parents that i talk to that are in that situation a lot of them are like i wish there was something else or um but there's there's not a lot of options so that's why i'm kind of really proud of what of what we've done just in our small little realm of life with this little well, softball team. Well, lives is better than uh, um, yeah, no We've
0: question.
1: given those kids that are in fifth, sixth grade, and I feel like that's where the big gap is, yeah. um, a chance to play a sport that they, right now, that they like. Or are interested in, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. They yeah. may not love it. They may yeah. not play in high school, right. but... And don't get me wrong. I mean, there there's a lot of great things about those travel leagues out there at all levels. They give kids a really high level of, of opportunity to play at a high level. Um, but I just... My fear is that it's just going to become too much for the average family to afford. Yeah. Um, or kids are going to be doing so much that it's just going to kill their joy. Mm-hmm. As a coach at the high level, at the high school level, for
0: twenty plus years, could you notice the change in when they come into the program? They're ready, or their talent is getting so much better, or not really. You mean from I mean,
1: playing travel, or just in general? Versus yeah, like versus not? Yeah, like absolutely. When you first started
0: coaching, at probably the freshman level, you had to teach <clears throat> a lot more than you <clears throat> did. Yeah, Five yeah, years
1: ago. yeah. You absolutely notice, notice the difference because you're you're going to only get better by playing. Yeah. and so if you don't have that opportunity to play, you are going to obviously be at a disadvantage. Um, but like at the junior high level, like that is our job is to teach those kids and coach those kids. Now, do the kids that have played have an advantage? Of course. But do we ever look at a kid before they even step foot on our field for tryouts and say, okay, this, this, and this didn't play any sort of organized travel ball. They're not even in consideration. No way. We don't, you know, we don't do that at all. Yeah. Um. Because some of the kids just don't have the opportunity. But who's to say at 10, 11, or 12 years old that they're developed fully? No. <laughs> you know? So... What are they going to be like when they're a freshman or a sophomore or a junior? You don't know that. And I, I I, always hate to be, I mean, cutting kids at the junior high level. Unfortunately, we have to do it most of the time just because of numbers. Um, but it's the worst. It's the worst day. It's the worst day ever. Yeah. Um, but when you have 40 kids at a tryout, you know, you just can't keep, all, keep everybody. Yeah. But I think we do a really good job of saying, you know, keep working hard, giving them places to go to work out, giving them names of people for private lessons, and come back next year and give it another try.
0: Yeah.
1: And we always have one or two that do.
0: All right. Without, you know, singling anybody out or, you know, talking bad about anything, I yeah. just want to know, like, what what are the reasons that coaches feel like they have to step away at this point? I mean, what no. is what are some of the factors that cause... Because you know I mean, I know a lot of coaches, especially in the last three years, that have just said
1: it's hard to it's hard to say that it's worth it. Anymore. Yes, and the amount of coaches that <laughs> that you have those conversations with, but that aren't actually doing it, but have it in the back of their mind, is probably even more. Yes, um, and you know, I don't know. I I can only speak for myself. Um, mine was a huge combination of things. It was not. group of kids it was not a group of parents um it was not one thing it was a huge combination of i think covid and that time that we were away from our sport um, and away from our athletes was like mentally exhausting because as coaches we're still trying to carry on our team so we're still trying to do team bonding and keep the girls involved and Um, giving them hope, you know, and then trying to keep your seniors picked up when they realized that year that they weren't going to have a season. And um, I mean, it was mentally, it was a lot. It was, it was a lot um, for the girls, but also for the coaches, I think, to continue that. And then the following year, it was really another whole year of, are we going to play? Are we not going to play? You know, my team specifically, we went through three different COVID outbreaks where I never knew who I was going to have One week I was down to like 10 players And then we lost a whole two weeks The whole team And then we came back and we had like 6 other girls That were in quarantine a couple weeks later So again You're like who's playing today How are we going to keep everybody involved And keep spirits up And um, do, our, do our program justice um, So that was That was a lot of it Um, I just personally felt like I got to the point when all of that was over after May June, July I started thinking I don't know where I am mentally like if I have 100% to give back to these girls again yeah and if I'm going to do something then I'm I my mentality is I owe it to them to have my have me 100% yeah um, and I got to the point where I was like, ugh, thinking about practicing and making practice plans and the time away from home and <laughs> selfishly, although <laughs> I talked I talked to so many people about this, and every single one, you know, I talked to Vondal and um, Greg Blake Blakey at Mount Zion and Jane, of course, and Every time I would say that, I felt like I was being selfish. They all three said, you're never selfish if you're doing something for yourself. And, but I think that's how we feel yeah. as coaches is we take on these kids and, and our programs, and we take all of that on, and we do think we're being selfish when we do something that's best for us because we are worrying. It's just our nature to worry about our girls, and want to do what's best for them. Our program do what's best for that. That, and sometimes we do forget about ourselves. Because I well, what I was where I was going with that is, I was saying selfishly through all that time off, away from softball. You know, I really realized how much time I I had, and how much time I had at home, and even if we weren't doing anything, just time at home. Um, how much more time I had at school to be in my classroom you know we we <laughs> Williamsville softball we don't play very many places that are close and so um we're on a bus most times by two thirty. well our school doesn't get out until two forty five, so there's half the season probably where I'm leaving my kinders at two o'clock with a with a sub or a, okay. somebody to take them out at the end of the day that's not good for them um but I never really thought about it until I
0: just kids especially that young are creatures that habit. yeah
1: yeah, and they were fine. I mean we'd keep scoreboard up on my on my dry erase board. Yeah. They knew if we won or lost we'd watch all your 1450 clips the morning <laughs> after a game. so they they were fine they, I wasn't it wasn't like they were I was a, it was a detriment to yeah. them. but not having to do that for a year, I realized, wow, this is really good for my kids that they have me through all the time. yeah you know. So it was just a bunch of little things. Same thing with with just being home with Brent more. Um, and it's ironic because I got out of coaching. My kids are in college or out of college. Most people get out of coaching because their kids are little. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a there's you know just because your kids are grown, they still need you and they they need you in different ways. Yeah. And sometimes it's just a phone call or a can you come over to my house and. Or yeah. a license plate tag. You never or a, right, exactly. <laughs> How do I renew my license plate yeah. sticker? Good heavens. But still, them being able to call you
0: and ask that question or yeah. like something, yeah. if you and were in practice, he wouldn't have known for half. No, because
1: yeah. they know. Like, yeah. they know that I'm not reachable yeah. every day for five months, mm-hmm. you know, unless it's an emergency. And that's, and Brent's always been great. I mean, I was the person at home all the years that he coached. When the, and that was when our kids were babies and we were still having kids and then, you know, he took over, he, it rolls flipped when I started coaching and it's never been an issue with us you know, ever, but it, it it's nice to be home more <laughs> I will say that for sure um, we took a trip in March for the first time ever, that's the first time ever in my lifetime I've traveled over spring break yeah. um, when we were little we just didn't travel because my parents both worked full time jobs and not teaching, and then when I got old enough, I was always playing, you know, and then coaching. So Brent and I took our own trip, first trip ever, uh, alone, <laughs> twenty-five years. <laughs> so just little things like that. Um, gosh, yeah. So school was a big part of it. Just having some time time back to myself, being able to be more available. Um, and I, I made pros and cons lists all summer long, yeah. and finally, my very good friend, one of my very best friends, actually, um, assistant, former assistant coach Matt Mead. You know, he said, Ashba, if you keep making pros and cons lists, then that should tell you what your decision needs to be. Mm-hmm. You know, because I kept making lists, thinking eventually I'll have enough to sway me. But once I did it, I once I came to the decision, I mean I pulled the trigger that night. I was driving home um, it's like six thirty at night and I, I texted our athletic director and I said, I think this is what I'm doing. And I got home and told Brent and he said, Are you serious? And I said, Yep, if I don't do it now, I won't do it, but I know that I'm not I'm not at a place where I can give a hundred percent to the girls anymore. And if I can't do that, it's not fair for that fair to them. Yeah. So but let me tell you what it's been so hard. It's been really hard to step away. Much harder than I thought it would be. Much harder than I thought it would be. But it's nice to write your own. Kind of write your own narrative mm-hmm. on your exit. And I and I don't know if it's a forever thing. Yeah. You know who knows um, if they ever need a another coach down the road and the time is right. But Steve's there and um, he he did a great job this year and. And uh, so it made it a little easier to pass things off to him. But you know, it's kind of like your baby. Haven't been a lot of well, definitely because I feel like I mean, taking over for who you did right.
0: Those are big, big shoes to fill, and yes. there's no question that I mean, not only did you not trip and fall, there was a Thank lot of you. success. Yeah. Um, and so once that happens, it's like okay. Not to say that Jane is it. Still the face of mm-hmm. Williamsville softball, mm-hmm. um, but th- you're in that conversation as well. So it's right. like, okay, now that's hard to just say. Okay, very you, hard. You, you now it's yours. Very hard. I mean, don't screw this up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And 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 that's and so I said to Jean, I'm like, how did you do this when I took over? How yes. like and she was at a place where she knew she was done. Di- I mean, she was ready. Yeah. She had no regrets. She was at our games from day one. You know, mm-hmm. as soon as she was done, it took me probably two, two, three weeks into the season before I could even go out and watch a game. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, that's I mean, taking over from her and talk about the best person to take over from because she's so supportive. I mean, and I I did a I kept a lot of tradition because I think that's what makes our program our program. Mm-hmm. But she had always from the beginning, you know, gave me her blessing to make it your own. Yeah. Make it your own. Don't do what I did just because that's what we did. If you know, move it move the program forward. Yeah. Um and so I never felt that pressure from her at all. But there is pressure in the name. I mean, there is pressure from the program. Yeah. Um statewide. I mean Yeah. The amount of coaches that reached out after I had announced that I was, you know, going to step away from all over the state, um, just so surprised and wanting, really just wanting to know why. Yeah. And I think everybody kind of wanted to know why, like, was there, and I, I kept saying, there's no story here, yeah. like, it's not, there's no story, I, it's just, these are all my reasons, there's a hundred of them, and, and they're all pretty boring, but they all added up to something that I needed to do, yeah. so, yeah. Um, but to watch that I mean if I, I, I won't coach anywhere else.
0: Yeah.
1: I would not I would not coach anywhere else. because um, it's just it's a part of me. It it was a part of me growing up in the sense that they were probably one of our biggest rivals. Yeah. Um <laughs> my senior year in high school I found because Jane kept everything. Like down to three by f- those three by five like floppy disks of stats. Oh wow! Stats yeah. and stacks of those. But in there, I found a scorebook from um, 1991. That was the year as a senior, and in that scorebook is the two games that Williamsville played me at, when I played for Ursuline. Uh uh-huh. And one of them was the regional championship game, which we lost two to one. But um, you oh, know, gosh, I remember. Yeah. I kept it. That's probably. Oh, I have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kept it. It was in the tub, and I'm like, I'm keeping this. So, um, but <clears throat> just to know what that, what Williamsville softball meant back then. Yeah. And it's still. I mean, that is still where we are today. So, that's my goal for the program is just to continue to, to just be dominant, but also be traditional and, you know, um, upstanding. I guess. Yeah. So, and Steve knows the program. I mean, Dee played through the program. Yeah. Very notably. And uh, (laughs) so, just a little bit. So it's good. Yeah.
0: Um, I kind of want to talk about the teaching aspect of not only going through COVID, but going through COVID when you're teaching such young kids who, Oh, yeah. Like, I don't feel like I quite understand because my daughter's only about to turn three, but just Mm -hmm. the, just the fact of, she knows what day she goes to school. She knows yeah. exactly what the routine is. Um, and until a month ago, she still had to wear a mask. Yes. Like okay. And so she like fought it for a couple of days because she's like, no, I have to wear a mask. Like this is, oh, this I, is what we've done. I hear you. And I'm like, no, I don't want you to wear a mask. Yes. But it, so and now she doesn't, and it's fine. And it's yep. You know, but for such a long time, like, and that's just the age of three. I can't imagine at the age of five when mm-hmm. kids. Didn't know any different going to school And then they come in mm-hmm. and now it's got to just be like You literally have to teach them so many different things Oh,
1: so many different things um, So many things that you didn't realize Were just so naturally innate I, I that, think, they were watching, that, yes, they that they would just learn from watching Yes, yes, that they didn't And they didn't pick up on And so going back to 2020 I mean that, like our last day Was Friday the 13th, 2020 We My class took a field trip on the 12th Came back to school, or took a field trip on the 13th, and then we never saw each other again after that, other than driveway visits.
0: And that was kindergarten,
1: right? They were in kindergarten. And that. <laughs> yeah. So that was all rest of school online through Zoom, um, which our whole school did, and I feel we did really well. <laughs> you know, I think we really, we really got the hand of it. How but do you teach a five-year-old on a screen? You know what? You're really...
0: Not that they don't watch screens all time. No, no, mine watches screens all time. Yeah, it's different. totally
1: different. <laughs> you are like we were five to fifteen minutes on the screen. We'd share. <laughs> they could break show and tell. Yeah. Um, I would read a story. We found some online video games that I could share my screen with them, and yeah. we would you know do our sight words or read words or. Um, but I'm telling you what, I mean, they knew how to mute themselves. They knew how to unmute. They knew how to end. <laughs> Um, and it really just became at least at our at the kindergarten level, it just became a way for us to still be a community.
0: Yeah. Um. To have interaction. Uh huh.
1: <laughs> we did a lot of on. We did a lot of video recording of lessons that we needed the kids to learn, yeah. and then fed that to the parents to show their kids on their own time. Yeah. So by Friday, you just needed to watch this this lesson on me teaching you two sight words and Holly showing the kids the difference between length and height, you know. And uh, when we were with them on Zoom, it was more just, I don't know, I want kind of a free-for-all. Yeah. Controlled chaos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but some of the cutest memories, I mean, really, yeah. some of the cutest memories of those kiddos that I have in that group, I think will always be really special at us because it ended so abruptly. Yeah. So then you... Um, so then you have too much to do so trying to figure out. Fast forward to. Well, first I want to ask
0: this question, and when that happens, and they say, "Okay, we have to figure out how to keep in communication with them over mm-hmm. video." Like you literally have to learn how to teach an entirely different way. You do, like that. Had to you be do, super and nobody stressful. really
1: teaches you how to do that. Is you just figure it out? Well, it's never happened that way, right? So, like, <laughs> so you know, everybody. Um, Everybody, like I was saying earlier about how over the summer you're still following blogs and you're still following Facebook teachers and TikTok teachers and Instagram. And so then those people out there that are the notables that teachers, you know, unfamous teachers like me follow, (laughs) um, jumped on the jumped on the technological bandwagon and they started cranking out ideas for us and we well, just at a certain
0: point you knew you were What teachers, teachers
1: do best yeah. is steal things from other teachers.
0: Yeah.
1: Um you know and then my we have a great kindergarten team of teachers and so I mean we were we were constantly networking with each other like let's do this let's try that I mean Morgan, one of our kindergarten teachers put together like a Disney field trip that we took the kids on for the last day of school and we did a virtual field trip to Disney and they all got on Zoom with their Minnie, Mickey Mouse ears or you know whatever um, so you just kind of I think that's the one thing about teachers we can pretty much improvise and do anything you throw at us so was there any point during the fall of 20
0: when you don't see a light at the end and you're like if this is how it's going to be for the next three years I don't know if I can do this
1: oh yeah I think I think at the end of so we come back in 20 we come back hybrid I think which means we had half our kids half of the dip time so like I had half my kids Tuesday, Thursday and then I had the other half on Wednesday, Friday and then we didn't have kids on Monday I think so we come back hybrid And then I think we had to go remote, like from Thanksgiving to Christmas. Then we came back hybrid after Christmas. And then we came full kids back four days a week. So that was the first challenge. Because now you have kids who have never met other kids. Because they were never at school on the same days. Like my Tuesday, Thursday kids had never met my Wednesday, Friday kids. So then you have those kids. But then you have the kids who chose to stay remote at home.
0: So you're teaching two different... Things, so right? you're really
1: teaching three. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're teaching your Tuesday-Thursday kids, your Wednesday-Friday kids, your kids that are at home, and then you had to have stuff planned for everybody to do on Monday, even though they weren't at school. Then you bring everybody back, so now you're figuring out how to get everybody to function together in a mask, plus figuring, plus you're keeping track of your kids that are at home, then you get a kid who goes into quarantine because they were, you know, exposed or whatever. So now you've got two kids in quarantine, but only for two weeks. So then they come back, but then three days later, another kid goes into You know, I mean, it was just crazy.
0: It like was crazy.
1: Like, it was not sustainable. No. Let's just say that. So at the end of the I mean, and again, our kids were resilient. I think our school... We did a phenomenal job. Like I think, I think we we did the best that we could do, and I think our kids rallied, our parents rallied, because um, that's what you have to do. But it was a lot, and so I think that was a lot of the toll on me too. I think being a teacher and a coach is hard, but being an elementary teacher and a coach is not common. Being a kindergarten teacher and a high school coach. I don't know that there's any. I don't know if there is one. You know, so the exhaustion level yeah. is was a lot, and I think that weighed a lot on my shoulders too, on my decision ultimately. Because I mean, at what point do you feel
0: like you're even prepared remotely for a week, right. knowing all the stuff you just said, plus the fact that I mean, on a normal week, you you prepare. Mm-hmm. And for this, you're literally preparing three different things in three, four different mm-hmm. And then you're
1: also doing that on the softball side because then we are in quarantine with ten kids, but I've got ten that can play, and then we're whole team quarantine, so we're trying to reschedule. And then I've got three kids in quarantine coming back, six out, trying to reschedule all these conference games at the end of the season, not knowing who's exposed and can we ride the bus, what's the seating chart for the bus. So you talk um, about... <laughs> I mean, you talk about...
0: The support system and the program that you have like mm-hmm. that had to just be the only way you survive like you know absolutely okay we can do this if we work together absolutely
1: and i think we you have as to do this. teachers like, we'll like around they, each other administrators yeah you know yeah and as coaches like that's that was another thing that was really hard for me to walk away from was like that coach coaching family yeah um all the coaches that i had that I had gone to for advice over my years you know Aaron and Stacy and um, walking knowing that I was walking away from that group of high school being a part of that group of high school head coaches um, because they're a special group of people that I admire a lot and we were all going through the same struggles so it was nice to be able to vent to each other and bounce ideas off of each other and how do you handle this or Or that. Um, (laughs) But I remember the last day of school, and we thought, okay, we're done with masks finally. We go through the summer, things start to turn around, 2022 rolls around, and we're back in masks. And now we have a group of kids that don't know anything but masks, which leads me to what you were saying about your daughter. So at kindergarten, you're teaching them like sounds, like how to make the sound old. Okay. Well, they have a mask on, so first I don't know if they're even making the sound. I don't know if their tongue is in the right place. I don't know if you know. You don't know what they're doing back there. Um, they can't hear each other, so they're totally tuned out. They're, they don't have exposure to facial expressions. Um, I feel like eye contact was like non-existent because I don't really feel like they saw your face. They just saw the mask. Yeah. Um So we, just because you have to, I mean, I was like, okay, when we do our sound, you got to put your mouth below your chin, or your mask below your chin, for split seconds here or there, but then, you know, you're three feet apart at your tables, and and all, I mean, it was just darn near impossible. So the day comes that we can take our masks off, and, I mean, they don't know how to act. Yeah. It was like, (laughs) I joked, it was like, you're unleashing the beasts. Yeah. I mean, the volume level in our classrooms was off the charts because I don't even think they knew what it meant, like what an indoor voice meant, because everything was always so muffled. Um, So then you're reteaching everything. (laughs) What is an indoor voice? What does it mean to talk in a close-together voice? All those things. Um, But then then you also have the psychological kind of standpoint of I think what you were getting at with your daughter, I think that our kids were at the kindergarten level. They didn't know any different. So for us, we were getting back to normal, but for them, we were totally taking away their normal. Yeah. And I had kids who really were, like, afraid to take their mask off. And I don't think it was afraid, like, afraid, oh, I can't take this off, I'm going to get sick, but afraid, like... I don't know what this is going to be like without this mask on, because all I know is that I've been told I'm supposed to wear this mask. Yeah. Um, so I still had a couple of kiddos, even February, March, that were still wearing wearing a mask. Um, and then one by one, their parents told me all along it was their choice. Um, their, their parents weren't making them wear the mask yeah. but the kids still wanted that security and then eventually every mm-hmm. once in a while it would come yeah. off and then you know by, by spring break nobody was wearing the mask but yeah. Um, yeah we were and I don't think a lot of people understand that with that group of kindergartners and first graders and even the second graders a little bit because that was the Friday the 13th 2020 group but their normal was masks for us, it was get back to normal. Yeah. But for them, they didn't know our normal, and so I think it was a little bit scary, scary for them. Didn't take them long to adjust, though. Yeah. I just, I just hope we don't have to go back because it's hard. It's hard. From, well, I can answer this, in, or you can
0: answer this in two different ways. But uh, from an athletic standpoint and an education standpoint, how far did this set kids back?
1: Hmm. academically or socially behaviorally it's a loaded question yeah Yeah. um socially behaviorally i think it's i think we're gonna see some some um repercussions for a while i think kids have just lost that they've they've either lost or didn't get you know, like I was saying, the ability to read facial expressions, to read body language, um, to realize that behind a mask is a real human who has feelings and emotions. And um, so I think that's been a lot of struggle, I know, at the high school level, especially, you know, some of the behaviors that they're seeing. We just haven't seen, haven't seen before. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a, a lot of it as is a, is a result of that. Um socially, Kind of the same thing, you know. They're just, they're just behind. They didn't interact for a year. Uh, they didn't have interaction with I other... mean with Anything, yeah.
0: right? Like I went to, <laughs> I went to the NASCAR race in St. Louis a week and a half ago, and that was the first time I've been around that many people. Mm-hmm. Like that crowd of, I think it was, they said sixty thousand and you can tell people just haven't been in that situation for yes. so long
1: that like and wasn't dude, it a weird just feeling Yeah like around- <laughs> brett and i went when we were in florida in march we went to the garth brooks concert yeah. um in orlando and uh, and that was the first time we'd been in a huge crowd like that and it was almost eerie like I was kind of like, well, this is almost uncomfortable, you Mm -hmm. know, because you're just not used to it. Yeah. Um, so imagine we're adults, right? So imagine you throw these kids into this setting, you know, but they, they weren't having play dates. They weren't playing sports. They weren't, they were, they didn't get to do any of that for that year. And so I think that just naturally is going to impact their social development, um, you know, academically, same thing, but we, like I said, for in our school anyway, I think we did, parents did a great job of doing with their kids what we asked them to do, Um, and our teachers work really hard to kind of close those gaps, so I I don't know. But also, if you look at the demographics of the parents in your school
0: district compared to, say, 186, for example, those parents don't have the resources or the time or... You know, right? This is just numbers. I'm right. not just being. No,
1: no, you're like, a, you're exactly thing right. thing in Rochester. Like we yeah, are lucky that our parents have access to all that. I mean, some people just just for sheer fact of where you live, you don't have internet service. Yeah. You know, so not everybody was on the a level playing field yeah. through all of this um, for a multitude of reasons. But I think we're going to see the repercussions of it for a long time, and not just in Sangamon County or Central Illinois, but I mean everywhere. Yeah. everywhere. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's not a it's not a reflection of a specific school district or community. It's just the nature of everything had to be technology and the little kids had to have adult had to have adult supervision. You know, you can't put a third grader on a computer and expect them to sit there and and monitor themselves and self-discipline themselves to get through a day's worth of work and if parents are themselves working, how does that how does that work? You know, I, I had work. parents working from home and they've yeah. only got one device. Well, you know what? Then their kids can't get on their Zoom meetings because their parents need it for business. Yeah. Luckily, you know, I, like I said, I hope we're we're not going backwards and, and we can just move forward. Understanding that was, we had a big kind of, you know, discussion about that back to school this year. We have to understand that kids aren't going to be where they normally would be. Yeah. And so we have to pivot. As their teachers, uh-huh. and we have to pivot, and we can't do things the way we've always done them because our kids aren't the way they've always been. Um, so, and I think teachers in general understand that. So, that at least that's positive.
0: Okay, so athletically, I mm-hmm. think, and I think you can speak to this probably better than most. But like we saw it at the high school level, where the seniors who just graduated never really had a normal varsity yeah. season. Yeah. Uh, so it's still going to linger in high school, but I also, and you talked about it, in junior high is when you learn. Yeah. And, and you also learn the rules of the game, the the unwritten rules of the game, <sighs> the in interactions. It. So like that is still going to come at yes. the high school level to where we don't even know what is all going to happen. At
1: right. That point. So thinking about just from the Williamsville softball standpoint of things, so you have you know your seniors and your juniors. Who didn't have any type of regular season, really? Um, and so then you've got your freshmen and your sophomores. Who your freshmen have never been exposed to the high school level. Your sophomores or your sophomores never really got to see the juniors and the seniors lead because your season their seasons were modified or non-existent. So now you've got this program at the high school level full of kids who maybe aren't exactly sure even what your program is or your culture is um which is kind of a neat opportunity for me at the high at the junior high level i feel like we're gonna really have to um really really have to focus in on our work ethic and um our you know what we do to set us apart from from other programs um you know playing aggressively and um little things like that so that when they get to the high school level they can take that with them because right now it's kind of just a big question mark you know who are we how do we act what do we do there were two years where that was not modeled yeah you know we talk about it i mean we'd have team zooms all the time and we talk about you know what do, what's our philosophy what's our what do, what characteristics um do we as williams softball players want to possess you know what are the goods and the bads of what we look for in a teammate. And We tried to talk about all of that and I tried to keep some of the traditions alive, um, but not actually living it for pretty, I mean, for essentially two seasons, yeah. is it leaves kind of a hole. And so I think a lot of coaches are probably dealing with that, of trying to reestablish the identity of, of your program and your culture.
0: Because I think we talked about it with Coach Steinmart too. It's like you know the kids who are freshmen coming up and the sophomores didn't know that they had to fill the water cooler. They didn't right. know that they had to shag balls. They right. didn't know how to do. Right. They didn't see the, the other guys do that. Yeah. So it's like
1: yeah. I um, had a player last year and she was like, well, when we were when I was a freshman, I, I can't remember how she worded it. If it was when she was a freshman, she always had to, they they always had to put the bases in or something like that. And I tried to explain like, well, those girls that are freshmen now, they weren't, they never had a season when they were a freshman. So they never had to do any freshman jobs because they didn't, that was the year we didn't have a season. You know, so it's things like that I don't think people realize. And things that as coaches we think are just givens, you know, like I think it's a given that the freshmen know they need to put the bases in or that, um, When the game's over, freshmen have to carry the equipment back to the locker room or whatever the case may be. Um, But you have to almost reteach all of that. Because if you don't, it gets sloppy. It gets lazy. Yeah. You know, and then it becomes not who you are as a program. Yeah.
0: Okay, I want to wrap it up with uh, just asking you kind of your perspective since you have a pretty good view of not only Williamsville but Rochester. I want to talk. Like you've had yours, plenty of success. You've made it to state. Uh, you've dominated the conference, all that stuff. So, do people understand what Derek Leonard is to the football? Because
1: <laughs> um, like people are like, oh yeah, he's a really good coach. Like I don't, I I don't think that people get at all how hard it is to do anything in the postseason. Um, let alone what Derek. And, I mean, he'll be the first to tell you it's not just him, it's his assistant coaches, it's his players. You know, but he's established that culture. And he's established his expectations. And um, aside from that, I think he's a genius at what he does. I mean, some people are just gifted. And I think that he's probably one of them. Um, But, no, I don't think anybody can. I mean, shoot. I, I mean, I don't think anybody can understand uh, the dominance of that and yeah. what he's done because it's not easy. It's not easy, and you talk about having to take what you're given and teach and and mold and produce and take somebody maybe who played this position and turn them into this position instead. Yeah. Um, but he's a perfect example of you take what you got and you figure out what to do with it. And I think that he's gifted at being able to do that. But nothing in the postseason is easy. Well, I you mean, know, you can speak let alone. It. Multiple state yeah. championships because just winning a regional at, at, at you know coming from a softball perspective and and like they won their regional this year and um just winning a regional I mean that's not even easy and mm-hmm. I don't think people understand like it's not easy especially depending on your draw and or your class and I think you, you
0: can talk about like the dominance in the in the conference or whatever because. Like, from your perspective, you see what Aaron Coons does, and mm-hmm. it's not talked about enough yeah. how good they are yes. in the Sagamore Conference. Like, there's not Agreed. a domination like that in, in any sport. Um, and so, but that also speaks to the fact that, you know, they've made it to state, they won state once. Mm-hmm. And Derek's still <laughs> have many times. Like, yeah, those are both two incredibly great yeah. programs, coaches, but it speaks to how hard it is mm-hmm. and, uh-huh.
1: like, exactly it's uh, I mean if it yeah it's it's just almost unbelievable really yeah just one of those true I don't know story fairy tale stories almost not to take away from anything that they've done they work I mean they work so hard for it but yeah it's not easy because there's multiple programs you know that that have the talent and the great coaching and and you just don't make it that far consistently yeah And you know your class has a lot to play, your draw, all those things. Yeah.
0: Um. Wanna? I could just talk about anything with you for a long time, but. um, (laughs) I could too. Was there anything that you wanted to talk about when I asked you to come on that we didn't talk about?
1: No, I don't think so. We covered a lot.
0: Yeah, I feel like we did. (laughs)
1: We covered a lot today. We were all over the place. Yeah. No, no, I don't think so. I just.
0: I mean, we can definitely do it again. Don't get me wrong. Right, so right. It be forever. So, no, yeah.
1: not at all. Um, no, I I appreciate being able to to talk about youth sports. I think that's important, um, and I hope that there are are more parents out there that are willing to step up and coach because it's really not. You don't have to be a genius at that level. You just have to be willing to learn. Our our athletic director, Adam Uecker, mm-hmm. he's coaching with me yeah. this 12U team. And he didn't know anything about softball, really. And Besides he, he's got his own softball team at home. But, but he's so- right, exactly. Basically, <laughs> he's close to fielding a team. Um, but he wanted to learn, you know, because he wanted his daughter to like softball, and he wanted to give her the opportunity to play. So he's learned so much just coaching with me the last couple of, of summers. And that's all it takes yeah. is just find, you know, getting parents to want to be more involved. But it's a double edged sword because kids are so over involved parents don't have time because they're running kids grandparents are running kids and and nobody has you know they rely on other people to coach and I do enjoy coaching not having a horse in the race you know this 12 U level Mm -hmm. I I coach them the way that I always would and then I get in my car and I go home and I don't have to worry about (laughs) it and um, it's been really fun though it's been a good way to kind of stay alive and then I just I can't say enough about junior high I can't wait for junior high ball yeah
0: super thanks for your time yeah thanks Derek huge thank you to Mrs. Ashball for taking the time to talk about the struggles of coaching teaching and the joys but also how those in the profession are surviving during this difficult time for all thanks to Northwestern Mutual for being the official sponsor of this podcast and thank you so much for listening I will see you next week